0: Prince Remembered from The Current. Hi, this is Sean McPherson of Purple Current and The Current. In October of 2021, I had the joy of chatting with Andre Simone. Andre's an essential part of the story of Minneapolis music, and he continues to tour and release albums. And Andre's story is inextricably linked with the story of Prince and the Minneapolis sound. We took the opportunity to connect partially because it was the 40th anniversary of the release of Controversy, And also because I don't need an excuse to reach out to Andre Simone. The man's a legend. Around the release of Controversy, Andre had just left the touring group that Prince had put together. Looking back at that time gives us a fruitful way to understand the relationship between these two Minneapolis icons. Here's our conversation. Andre, thank you so much for spending some time talking today.
1: Hey, thank you for having
0: me. Thank you for reaching out. I w- I wanted to revisit that period, 1980, 1981. Uh, the album controversy. You tune into the current and when you think current. about the album in retrospect, do you think about that album as an outsider who was sort of ready to move on and start your fruitful solo career, or do you think about it as an insider who had played the so- some of the songs live and been connected with the release, even though by the time it came out, you were sort of out of Prince's camp?
1: Wow, that's a that's a loaded
0: question. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> like,
1: you know, I guess if I dial back in my brain uh, to that time period, um, I was writing a lot of music for myself at that time. Um, I was doing a lot of, and obviously me and Prince had been collaborating. You know, it was first album, second album, third album, all that kind of stuff. And so we were very, very much um, very involved in writing, and we always had been since you know our our band back in the day and all that kind of stuff. But this particular record, we definitely, you know, obviously I was definitely, you can hear it, if you know anything about my bass playing and if you know anything about my history you know my dna my bass dna is all in it but i will say with this particular album because it was midway through this album that i uh, decided to basically take a powder but um you know midway through it you know i was all in it and you know looking forward to it and all that other kind of stuff and uh and so it was a great time but you know what i remember about it is just you know i mean our attitude was, well, our attitude always was, you know, let's go rip everybody's f-ing head off. And I still have that attitude, and I'm sure Prince maintained that attitude because that's, you know, like, again, you know, when you go back to our local band and when we used to do it, uh, that was my attitude. That was always my attitude. That will always be my attitude. Anytime I touch a stage, anytime I pick up a guitar, if anybody's around, I want to, excuse my language, but I want to f*** them up. I want to blow them off the stage, and if I don't do that, then I, don't, I should be doing... I should be selling insurance or something. Nothing against insurance; sure, they're wonderful. But you know, if you're going to get into the business of music, you got to be the best. Otherwise, what's the point? But that was my attitude. That was the spirit. That was always the spirit of every record that I was around and, and participated in, uh, as far as Prince was concerned. Um, and controversy was no different. It's just the thing about controversy was it was controversial. And you know, I guess it makes sense that it's called controversy because. You know, I think um, to look at it retrospectively is, is an interesting thing because, I mean, you know, it's hard to go back, you know, and, and I, you know, I've never been, in fact, I get into a lot of trouble about it, but I've never been really precious over songs that I write because I write so many songs. It's, I mean, it's hard to even, even explain. And I know probably a lot of people say that, but uh, I don't say that lightly. I really write way too many songs that I would ever be able to think about recording in my lifetime. Um, so you know when I think about songs and creating songs and and you know, in that time period, you know in Prince as well, I mean we just <laughs> the way we wrote and and created music back then was just really special i mean i'm I'm not sure how other people work uh you know when they work together, especially if they you know came up in a band and you know did all the different things that we did from doing demo tapes and all that kind of stuff and having to you know woodshed and you know my mom's basement and all that kind of stuff. It's just you create a way of working, which was generally through jamming. You know, we have jam sessions and we would record them and, you know, then we would go back and listen to them. And and if something came out of that, you know, we'd make it into a song or, you know, um, or if he had an idea, he'd say, listen, you know, let's jam on this. And if I had an idea, we'd say, let's jam on that. And we record it and, and try to, you know, see if it you know had some legs. Um, And I think Controversy fell into that. You know, all of the records really kind of fell into that kind of process, but Controversy definitely fell into it. But I think by the time we got around the Controversy, I think the first three albums was very kind of, how do you say, um, you know, innocent and, you know, just that because we're coming from how we used to work. But then it becomes different when when there's, you know, business people and then record executives and a record deal. And then it comes out and then, you you know, and then you know and it's about people getting credit for stuff and things like that, you know, and all that stuff starts to get a little bit different. And I know for me, you know, as it, as it pertained to Prince, I really didn't care, you know, because this was my boy. I had his back. Whatever you need. I'm there for you. So um, it was never an issue. But I think as certain songs surfaced, there was different conversations that started to be had because people were bringing up things and saying, "Hey, that's you know, isn't that something?" <laughs> so it, was, it got to be a little interesting, you know. And and I only make reference to this as it pertains to controversy because that particular album, a lot of those that innocence and those things kind of came to a head, and uh, and I was kind of confronted with the fact that uh, you know it was a different situation for me as a creative. Yeah, as a bass player, uh, somebody really took pride in a bass style that I kind of took pride in honing. I mean, my dad was a bass player, so I mean that was something that I really took pride in creating. um, And everybody that knew at the time really, and in the in the environment and the atmosphere. I mean, if you if you grew up, I mean, I'd love to be able to take people back to that time period because if you if you were around then and you saw Grand Central and you saw us play, you'd understand my role was a lot different than, you know, obviously when you become somebody's bass player and people just know you as, Oh, you're Prince's bass player. Right. And, you know, they don't know sort of the backstory, um, you know, cause, you know, I mean, our band back then, you know, um, and the people in it, it was my sister, who was, you know, I brought in, uh, percussionist, uh, William Dowdy who I brought in, uh, Morris, obviously he writes in his book. And it's just a clear situation. I brought him in, you know, I mean, um, everybody you know and me and Prince obviously everybody's heard the story of us meeting in high school so I, you know I was kind of very <laughs> very involved so I, I would love to be able to one day take people back to you know experience that so they can understand this process because it's it's a really um, you know it's a really interesting process but uh, getting back to the controversy I think that um, I think it's you know first of all I think it's a brilliant record you know and 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 I mean, I've always been super proud of everything and anything Prince does. Because, like I said, going back to those days, you know, I I like to think we were trying to create something special, even our little local band. And and it continued. And then when he, he did his solo thing, I still felt a part of it because, you know, what, you know, we started was kind of what, you know, culminated in his solo thing. So I've always felt a part of it and I always felt proud of it. You know, it's just, you know, at some point you, you kind of got to go and and get on your own thing, you know, especially, you know, because I never anticipated uh, that it was going to be anything other than us being a group. I never anticipated being, you know, in his band. I mean, for the, you know, for the longest time, the first, I don't know, tour, I guess I, I refused to get paid. Cause I was like, we did, you know, we were in a band together. Why, you know, now that you got this, why should I get paid? I was doing it for free. Then, you know, obviously business people say, you know, but you got to get paid. And, yeah. You know, they wanted me to sign stuff. And I was like, I don't sign contracts. This is my friend. I'm not signed. So I ended up not signing any contracts. And then I like, you know, everybody else, we're, we're different. You know, there's a different kind of reality. And it's nothing against or anything like that. It's just it's just a different kind of, um, you know, relationship. You know, it, it's interesting because I think, again, coming back to, to, back to controversy, I think that marks a point in Prince's career and his life where he kind of um, – sort of sprouted his wings and began to fly kind of on his own. And, uh, and, and I think all of that entails is, you know, um, being responsible for, you know, uh, not sort of leaning on, you know, me to any extent or anything that I might bring to the tables. Cause, you know, obviously midway through it, I was, I was gone and, and, you know, everybody else was just people that, you know, he'd come to know because he hired him to be part of his band or whatever. And, uh, it's a different kind of thing, you know, and, you know, I mean, I know that because a lot of those people, you know, a lot of those folks, I mean, are really good friends of mine. And I kind of helped in picking, you know, cause when we had, you know, auditions and obviously I was helping to navigate that, but, uh, but I, I will say, you know, um, a lot of those guys, you know, all of them brought something to the table when it came to uh, Prince and his music and this album. And I think some of the concepts and, you know, obviously when I think about, everything that preceded this album, you know, because you have to think about that, you know, because I think the Dirty Mind album was just a raw album that we did, you know, um, in, a, in basically in a basement in uh, uh, Orono, I believe, you know, in a house that one of our, our managers at the time had found and got us a little 16-track studio. So, you know, it was just, that was a kind of a fuck you, we don't give a it, you know, we don't care about anything kind of attitude. And I think the pressure was a little bit on you know, Prince to, you know, create something a little bit more um, acceptable, sort of pop oriented, something more radio ready or whatever. I mean, I, you know, I I look at it all, you know, so different. Because back then I, you know, I had the absolute wrong, (laughs) wrong idea of how to make records and how you should proceed. Because, you know, I was coming off of a very raw, young, I knew about hit records, obviously, all that kind of stuff, because we were a cover band. Basically, we we honed our craft, learning how to play, you know, everything from Earth, Wind & Fire to Santana to, you know, you name it, Funkadelic. So we, you know, wasn't like we didn't know how to do all that stuff. But, you know, it's just when you start to do it for yourself, it becomes different. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, you get a budget, you know, to make a record, especially, you know, when you're coming from, you know, Six months before that, we were sitting in my mom's, <laughs> trying to figure out who was going to make cheeseburgers. So it was an interesting transition. But um, but I, I but I think you know by the time controversy rolled around, you know there was a lot of things that you know needed to get answered. You know because he needed to he needed to change, and I think that definitely was a gateway from where he had come from to where he was going. And if and if you listen to the record, if you really listen, you can hear it. You know, you can hear, you know, um, Definitely Let's Work. You can hear (laughs) The DNA all over that. You can hear, um, I mean, there's there's quite a few songs if you listen to the album, but then you hear other songs where it's just sort of a, a bass line that's kind of following the chord progression, you know? And it kind of lets you know that there was a transition going on when you hear it. And then, you know, obviously it set it up for 1999 and the records that he, you know, followed up with. And, you know, I mean, I just, you know, again, I think about, those days. And we just had so much fun. I mean, really, it was just, you know, pure creative innocence and honesty and, and just integrity and, and and trying to be the best we could be. And I think the thing about, you know, Prince at that time was he had a, a, a friend in me who didn't give a shit. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to audition for nothing. Right. I wasn't it nothing. I wasn't trying to, you know, he there's no jujitsu movie he was gonna try to put on me to make me say anything other than and he knows me, he knew me probably better than you know, I knew myself at that point, you know. Um, so he knew he knows how, you know, I'm a very direct, blunt kind of person, you know, and I just say whatever I feel. And if you ask me about a song, I'm gonna say it sucks. If you ask me if it's great, I'm gonna say that's the, the most amazing thing, but you need to do this, this, and so you know, we always had that kind of relationship you know obviously you can't be in a band and not have that and he would he was harsh me not, I mean I I mean I can think of it was a song I wrote that he just never let me live down it was called you remind me of me and this song is comedy gold I didn't know it until he pointed it out right it's called you remind me of, and I'm singing this song you remind me of a beautiful day in spring you remind me of the coolest guy in the world girl you remind me of me <laughs> and he's like really really? you realize and i was completely oblivious that i was basically just you know trying to anyway was, i'm not sure i mean because you know obviously i was gone but i'm not sure if he had that kind of relationship with anyone sort of after that you know yeah. that could tell him without caring one way or another you know i i'm sorry you don't like it but guess what it's <laughs> too bad you know um and I, we used to have fun like that. And he was, you know, he was, you know, a lot of people don't, well, maybe they do know. I mean, I don't, it's hard for me to know, but dude has an amazing sense of humor. Yeah. You know, which is actually reflected very much in, it's reflected in a lot of his music, you know, um, but in controversy, you can hear it and, you know, um, a lot of the different things. And because a lot of stuff we used to sit around and, you know, like jack you off, which is, which is, we used to think about, we used to actually record songs and really kind of just see how far we could go with it. You know, there's a, a, a recording we did of uh, an OJ song that is hilarious. I mean, we just, it was uh, Forever Mine, I think, something like that. But anyway, it was, it was it's its comedy gold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, all respect to Prince, but you got to be pretty narcissistic if Prince is clowning you for being narcissistic when he's like, you remind me of me. I was like, because <laughs> he <beat> had this... <laughs> Now, you were talking a little bit about uh, sort of the, the cauldron of talent that you grew up around. And now I was not around for that, obviously, but I was able at Minnesota History Center to hear Spike Moss speak and a couple other people speak about the way um, and this spot and, and, and that that world of sort of really communal discipline and self-improvement that was like shared by all these young musicians coming up. And really, as I didn't understand until Spike spoke about how professional a lot of it was, that there was real opportunities and people were playing a lot of gigs. Um, th- this obviously created a-, a style of music that's now internationally recognized. I'm really glad you talked about the bass DNA um, on Let's Work, because it's one of those songs where, as a fellow bass player, I'm like, yeah, this, this is clearly on a different sort of uh, aesthetic level of quality than what you're going to hear on the majority of even of great songs you just go like this is a hell of a line this is this is a special thing i wanted to hone in on you sound like a person who is really comfortable being brutally honest with somebody who maybe wasn't getting a lot of honesty in their career. Because a lot of people, if you're you're writing people's checks, a lot of times people aren't going to go, that's not working, this is working. And you spoke to a a sort of higher authority, which was, I grew up with you, I'm going to keep it real with you, and the money's completely secondary. Do you feel like as things got so professional and things were starting to ramp up towards being not only a major label act, but an iconic major label act coming up probably the record after controversy with 1999, did it get harder to be the the guy willing to say no and the guy willing to say, that ain't working, this isn't a good tune or this isn't a good move? Did that conversation get harder to have with Prince? For me? Yeah. No. No.
1: Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I left. You know, obviously I was going and I was, you know, making records for other folks. Uh, you know, I think one of the groups I did, Hit Records, Grammy Award, right. you know, Best New art. So, I, you know, I was kind of off on doing my own thing but he would still call me. Yeah, I mean, he'd still call me and say, you know, play me stuff, or if I was in times that you had to listen to this, and he'd play me stuff, and then I'd give him, you know, that same, you know, because you know, I am how I am. You know, it's like Popeye said, I am what I am. <laughs> I can't really get away from that. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's not always served me well. I mean, you know, I, I can understand that, but, you know, I, I can't help it. I'm, you know, I call my mom uh, and my dad, Fred Rock and Bernie Stone, you know, because. They're, they're no joke. They're, they're you know I parents that didn't play around. So um, that's I'm a product of that environment. My family, my brothers, my sisters. They're, they're they're very you know they're they're a lot like me. I was the youngest, so I had to acquiesce, which was always hard. It's like, but you're not right, but I can't say nothing because you know I'll get that beat down. So you know, but I I, I definitely um, always 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 felt like, you know, and and I think that he that's you know one of the things whenever he would see me he would just it was like a light switch went on he would just you know because you know he knew in me it's just an honesty and and it's just this dude I don't care how successful he got you know because a lot of times I mean there's one time and I was a funny story but it happened in Minneapolis because I'm you know I'm a pretty laid-back guy pretty humble I don't I'm not one of those kind of guys that, oh, I got to sit in the VIP section or I'm Andre Simone or whatever. I've just never, you know, been that kind of person, you know, because I've always been humble and I was raised that way. And so I was at a club, I think Pacific Club uh, downtown, and I was standing in line. You know, people were giving me a hard time because I was standing in line. You're Andre Simone, you don't have to stand in line. And I was like, eh, I'm not, uh, you know, whatever. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I'm standing in line and blah, blah. So I'm standing in line and I'm waiting. We finally get up to the front of the line, and the bouncer's like, "Yeah, hey, you can't come in." And I'm like, "Why not?" "Cause it's full. You have to wait for somebody to come out." You know, and somebody's like, "That's Andre's amount." You know, and then, you know they're like, "I don't care who it is. You can't come in until somebody comes out." And then Prince comes right, and he shows up and he literally jumps on my back and he's like, "Andre, Andre!" And I'm like, "Man, get, you know, get off me, man. I'm trying to get in." They like, "We can't get in until other people go out." And he's like the bouncer's eyes are like huge, like Prince. And they're like, are, are you with him? I said, well, well, wait a minute. Don't tell me now that he's here, you're going to let me in. I said, oh, that's, I said, I'm leaving. It was like, no, no, no. So we wound up going in and, you know, I mean, but anyway, that's, that's the kind of uh, thing I had to deal with <laughs> on that level.
0: I wanted to ask a question. I, I understand and I appreciate uh, humility in, in all its forms. And I definitely get that vibe off you. I saw you as part of the controversy symposium that happened, um, I think maybe last year, that D'Angela Duff, the woman from NYU, put together where you were doing a whole bunch of video stuff. And I was watching another thing that you weren't involved with but was about the controversy record. And um, Joan Morgan, a writer from New York who wrote a great book called When Chicken Heads Come Home to Roost, was talking about her posters in her freshman dorm. She said she had prints, and she said she had Andre Simone. And I think, and I'll just tell you to keep it 100% honest with you, Andre, being born in 1981, it's pretty easy for me to fathom a young woman holding Prince as a big sex symbol and a person who would put a poster up. I missed a lot of the Andre wave, just to be perfectly honest with you. I, did, I, I learned your name probably in, I don't know, 2002 or something like that. And I go, okay, cool. I got to learn about this man. There weren't a lot of posters of of Doctor Fink of Bobby Z, I, I, and I, I love those dudes. I, but I just want to ask you: Was your sexiness and your potential um, frontmanness, which you delivered, you became a major label artist, you had hits under your own name, you also produced hits for a lot of people? Were you underemployed being the bass player for Prince, and then was, were you threatening because you were iconic and sexy? Ooh, that's a that's a that's <laughs> spicy that's meatball. A- <laughs>
1: You know, let me put it this way. Honestly, I never looked at it that way. I, I really did not. Um, but here's the thing. I used to wear clear pants, okay? Um, and underneath the clear pants were just black drawers, you know? And uh, and it was a thing, you know? And girls dug it. But the management didn't dig it. Because they was like, you know, wait a second, who's this guy is like? And they really started giving me a hard time. I remember one of the managers came up to me and said, um, you know, you need to tone down your makeup. And I I saw the look on Prince's face because Prince knows me and he knows that. He was like, you can see me. No, no, don't, don't. And I was like, can you play bass? Can you play bass? Unless you can play bass, you don't tell me what kind of makeup I put on. And, you know, tone down my clothes. I'm not, unless you go and go out there and play. And so it, it got into a thing like that because I think, you know, new management came in and they thought, oh, this is just a hired band and we'll tell them what to do and what to wear. And it's like, I never even understood that but you know then my wardrobe started you know coming up missing my bags were just sort of you know with all my clothes in it and it was like and at first it was like you know, this is this is weird you know and um I remember my mom had come out to one of the shows we did I think in Milwaukee or somewhere like that I had no I was like I don't know what I'm wearing you know and my mom was like well let's go shopping and so we went uh and and I remember she got me this really cool double-breasted blazer Right. And I just looked like, you know, because normally I wouldn't wear something like that. But my mom picked it out. And I was like, that's what I'm wearing. And, do you know, before I got a chance to get backstage to even, you know, put it on, I got met with the crowd because, you know, you know, security is always around just prints. And I got that jacket that my mom got, got ripped off. And I only I think I had a sleeve, (laughs) a sleeve. Well, actually, one sleeve, the other sleeve got ripped off. And part of it was just. And I got to the other side, I said, sorry, mom. (laughs) So yeah, to to answer the question, I think, I don't think, I I just never looked at it like that myself. But obviously, I think he did. And I think the management did, um, as I understood it later on, because then they started doing weird stuff like moving the microphone, his microphone up and mine back so that, you know, I guess if you're further back, it looks like we're the same height and all that kind of stuff. And it was like a lot of weird stuff that, I'm like, dude, whatever you want. I'm like, you, you don't have to just if you if he would have came to me and said, hey, you know, I need to really, you know, have you more in the background or something like that, you know, I'd have been like, I'm gonna do this this time. But then I think we gotta, you know, we gotta yeah. go out and find, you know, around and, and, and let you uh, be able to mold somebody and do it that way. Because I'm, I mean, I think you're part of what brought you know the fire and the fury and and all this stuff when we were first starting out and garnered a lot of. I think a lot of the attention, you know, because, you know, I mean, you know, there's a couple of shows that were sold out had a lot of celebrities there because people have been talking about the the raw nature of the the shows we were doing and the performances we were giving. And it wasn't just him, but obviously he was, obviously it was his thing and he was spot on and he was, you know, really um, at a point at that time, especially... during uh, during the Dirty Mind tour, you know, where he was really starting to find his performance chops and, you know, and to have somebody like me there where he could, he could grab me by my sleeve, which, you know, nobody else could do. (laughs) He could grab me by my sleeve and I could grab him or I could knock him out of the way and sing a verse or whatever, because we had that kind of relationship. And that's, I think that's what you get, you know, when you grow up in a band and you, you kind of, I mean, against all odds and whatever else you become successful. That's, that's a, that's a rare opportunity. So.
0: I'm chatting with Andre Simone. The occasion is the 40th anniversary of the release of Controversy. Uh, I got two questions about the record, and then I wanted to uh, ask one more question about Do Me Baby, a song that you, you've been involved in as a writer, an unrecognized writer as far as uh, the listings, but everybody's going, yeah, the man wrote some of the tune. But before we get to that, uh, I want to ask you about, if you just blindfolded me, I didn't know the Prince records, and you played me all a Dirty Mind, and you played me all a Controversy, and you said, which album is called Controversy? I would probably say Dirty Mind, right? Like, it's it's naughtier, it's punkier, it's more insular. You kind of said it was our F-off record, like it's our we're-going-to-do-what-we-want record. So I'm trying to understand, like, controversy, like you said, is kind of more aiming for slightly more of a major label, mainstream thing, not all the way, but you still got a tune called Jack You Off on it. I'm just wondering, like, was Dirty Mind more risky and in, in a sense more controversial than the actual record controversy?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, the song Controversy wasn't <laughs> until after Dirty Money," okay. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, as a concept, controversy is a great concept. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and obviously all the things that surrounded Controversy, because there's, you know, obviously it's the record where I left and there's reasons why, which, you know, we don't need to get into, but it's just... Um, You know, uh, the song, Controversy, was, you know, (laughs) was something that, you know, was a song that I kind of came up with when we were jamming. And I wasn't even the one who made an issue of it. You know, it was the band, you know, because, again, you know, we had a band full of people that really didn't know the process that Prince and I had grown up sort of, you know, doing when we came up with songs. So. Um, for me to jam with the band on a groove that I was grooving on and then Prince to come in, record it and come back the next day and say, hey, I got this new song. It wasn't a big deal for me. Right. I was like, great, great. You know, but the band was like, "Uh, wait a minute. That's his. That's his. And then it became an issue. So, you know, I mean, so controversy was controversial. And, you know, Do Me Baby, you know, I don't know if you want to get into that, but let's that's, do it. You know, the the, the simple part of it is, it's something I really, I never bring it up. I never brought it up. I don't bring it up. It's not a big thing. And to be honest with you, that was a thing that was really between Prince and myself, period. You know, because that was a song. He knows what that song was for. I know what that song was for. There were people there. We submitted it for a a specific project as that song. And as me as the writer, you know, so the people that, you know, it was submitted to, they're the ones, you know, they did interviews. They're like, I wrote that song, you know, and I actually wrote it for a, uh, you know, a girlfriend at the time. She has a copy of it. So there's copies all over the place, you know? Um, and so it's not about, it's not a dispute for me. Right. It was just between Prince and myself. And I had hoped that he, had, he would sort it out because I said, you should sort this out. And I, and I had every, um, reason to believe that he would. In fact, it was a, a song, it's it's uh, um, credited on all streaming platforms, which at some point, somebody decided to give me proper credit for it, which is interesting because you know, anybody, just anybody can't call up and say, uh, you know, I think Andre should get credit for Humi Baby after all these years. It has to either be the artist or the record label. And so I was kind of surprised when I found out that, you know, right around, I guess, 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, I was credited on all streaming platforms as being co-writer of that
0: song. Gotcha. And
1: I thought it oh, was wonderful. Um, I think Prince finally, you know, came around and did the right thing. Beautiful. Um, I just hope that, you know, he wasn't sending me breadcrumbs or anything like that about, you because know, you know, he's he's very kind of uh, cryptic like that where he I think he put out a you know, a song, a song called Three of Your Kill You that I did and we we did a group called Rebels and we did this record and that was one of the songs that I had written and I don't know where it came out, but at the same point, that would have been the same time where he would have decided to give me credit for do me baby, which was right around the same time, you know, so it's, you know, you never know, but I, I like think That maybe he wanted to write a wrong and, you know, hopefully, you know, um, that's the case, but you never know. I mean, you know, I, I, I would imagine that if that's the case, you know, whoever it is that's involved in his situation might be going, oh, he doesn't, you know, you know, you, know, you never know. But I know if it was if it was him doing it, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and honestly, to me, I'm just, I'm glad you get a taste of the, the credit, you know, like that. It seems deserved. So that's a good thing. Um, have you heard the new version uh, that's released this month, the new like 1979 demo version that came, that's come out?
1: You know, I have not, okay. I have not heard. Definitely didn't hear it. Uh, I probably heard it and <laughs> at then. some point. Good idea. Um, I heard about it. Obviously I woke up this morning and everybody said they've heard it and they said it's out and, you know, and, and I was going to scout around and pull it, pull it up and see if I could find it and, and take a listen. But, you know, it sounds like they said it was reimagined or something like that, which is interesting, you know, because instead it, it was the original, it can't be the original because that would be, that would be interesting. You know? Um, <laughs> The original is a whole different uh, approach. Gotcha. Um, it was, you know, something that I, you know, was coming up with at the time, and I, I had a different sensibility when it came to how I approached it, because, um, you know, obviously being a bass player, it was very bass centric, and and basically based around a slap bass part that um, is kind of. I have a couple other songs that, you know, you know that I did around that same time that are kind of in that same spirit. But no, you know, I, you know, I hear that he reimagined it or something, and you know, um, I'm curious to hear, you know, how he reimagined it, because you know, um, I'd be curious to hear. It. Yeah, so <laughs> me, inbox me, and and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll definitely put an ear on it.
0: We're chatting with a legend, Andre Simone, uh, focusing a little bit on the 40th anniversary of controversy. Just got one more question for you, Andre, and then see if there's anything else you wanted to touch on. As a as a person who, again, uh, didn't live through this era of music, I was a little bit trying to understand how a record like Controversy relates to disco. And the reason I ask is because besides for Let's Work and Ronnie Talk to Russia, a lot of these tunes have some kind of four-on-the-floor thing. I guess Jack You Off is kind of shuffly or something like that, but, you know, Controversy, Sexuality, Private Joy— a lot of these tunes have this real four on the floor thing. I don't think it's a disco record. It doesn't feel like a disco record. But disco still in the air in a way that I, don't, I can never understand because I wasn't there. So I'm curious how y'all were relating to disco as a genre. And if the four on the floor beat being pretty prevalent in the album was indicative of embracing that or indicative of, of just, hey, we just like the kick drum. It doesn't have anything to do with disco.
1: No, look, Prince and I used to go out to clubs all the time. I mean, in LA, uh, in New York, in uh, Minneapolis, we were always at the clubs. We were always so we always knew what was going on, and it was it was just he and I. That was our thing. We Studio 54. You know, we got I think did we get kicked out? We might have got kicked out of there. Anyway, uh, Limelight, a lot of clubs in New York. Um, and disco was a thing, you know. But to be able to take it, you know, um, because disco was also as a real musician, and you know, obviously, you know, you know the caliber of musician Prince was. And I was, you know, you know, I like to think that, you know, I, you know, was a serious musician. And uh, disco was kind of, you know, because we were, you know, we came from a different kind of. We came from, you know, the Sly and the Family Stone, Funkadelic, Ohio Players, all of that. Those were musicians, bands, which is, you know, to me, what's lacking right now. I mean, if if I could ever get people to understand, we got to find a way to get kids back into playing instruments and learning music. That's a side, but but disco was such a prevalent, it was on its way, I think it was on its way out at that point. There were still elements of it, you know, because I think um, bands like Chic, even David Bowie, different people were doing different things and finding ways to to use those beats because they were still working in in, in clubs. So you can't snatch the beat out of the club, you know, and think that somehow something's not going to, you got to find that middle ground. And I think that's what he was trying to do. With, um, with controversy. Gotcha. And, and that middle ground where, you know, he didn't completely strip the the beat away from people on the dance floor. Cause, you know, being at clubs, you see what people respond to. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that was really always cool about going to these clubs. And really, sometimes we bring, um, you know, uh, an acetate down there and say, hey, can you spin this and see what it, you know, see what the people think about it, which was really cool. You know, cause this is stuff, you know, people didn't know who he was like that at the time and so you know people were like you know and usually it wasn't him doing it it was me doing it uh, can you you know so you know but um you know and just getting people to play it and you know and seeing but you know we'd sit back and watch to see you know how people responded oh, okay we 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 missed on that one we got to couple a little harder you know but that was our barometer you know
0: Man, that is, what a cool story. That, that is incredible. And man, if you if you guys did get kicked out of Studio 54, you'd be in good company with Chic because they had that whole tune about getting kicked out of Studio 54. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, either we got kicked out or they wouldn't let us in. Because I remember the velvet, the, the rope line and the whole nine and... You know, I was always because you know, I, you know, I was, I, you know, I come from uh, the other side of railroad tracks in Minneapolis, and so I don't have any, you know, inhibitions about, you know, saying, "Yo, man, listen, see this dude right here? He got a record deal, man, with Warner Brothers, right? Now he got a record out. It's called Soft and Wet. You can don't take that wrong. It's good. You take that right. It's a good record. <laughs> and I try to get him in there, and you know, and I, you know, I, they look at Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Or like no no no. <laughs> but I shoot the shot, right? Yeah. And, uh, or we get kicked out. And he'd say, "Man, you shouldn't have said that. You should have said." That. <laughs> but anyway, we were, we were we were quite a pair.
0: Man, Andre, you have put quite the smile on my face, and thank you for sh- talking about this record, talking about your life, sharing your energy. And honestly, just still being such an important ambassador of what came out of Minneapolis. We love you. We appreciate you here. Glad to have you on the air for a little bit. And frankly, just thankful that you exist and that you're still doing it and still making music. We love you.
1: Thank you. You know, one last thing I want to say is I'm kind of finishing up an album. Okay. And it's the first time I've actually been able to do a funk album for myself, and obviously for other other people and you know helped other people do their thing and realize whatever this is the first one i'm doing for myself so i'm looking forward to it i was going to release it before the pandemic happened and uh but obviously we performed some of the songs um at paisley um new year's eve 2020 but i just wanted to throw that out there because i think you know a lot of people have been really kind of anticipating uh this funk release because i've been talking about it for a minute so i just want to let folks know that it's, it's still, coming yeah i just wanted I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wanted things to sort of get back because I want to perform and be able to bring it to the stage. So it's coming, everybody, just so you know.
0: That's all. Well, well, now I got to ask, what world of funk are we talking about? Because funk's a big thing and you're a master of a lot of it. Like, is it Parliament Funkadelic world? Maze? Where where are we at?
1: It's a little of all of it. Definitely Parliament Funkadelic need deep ball in all of that. But (laughs) it definitely needs some funk, slide funk. It's just... It's a combination of all of the things that I grew up. It's kind of like where I was at when I was maybe 15, 16. I had a vision of, of the kind of funk that we were trying to do back when we were uh, Grand Central. And I kind of abandoned it when I left because, you know, obviously I was a part of Prince's whole thing. And, you know, anytime I would do something, people would say I was trying to be like Prince. And I was like, and they didn't understand my involvement in anything. And, and, and it just so what I did is I completely went a little drastic the other way and made space music and, yeah. and decided to separate myself from stuff that I was very much a part of. Um, and so now this is kind of going back to that and and, and uh, reconnecting with what I did back when I was 14, 15 years old and that, that mindset. So it's really funky, really bass part centric because that's, you know, that always comes back to that. And obviously a lot of funky guitar and just, you know, attitude, funk, just. Just funky, just really, just stuff that you know. It's really what you know. When people talk about the Minneapolis sound, you know, a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people don't really understand what it really is all about. Obviously, I understand what it was all about because I was part of. It. <laughs> Obviously, it was down my basement, and you know, and uh, and you know, the, the 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 thing is, you know, without getting into whatever reasons Prince left his, you know, family and came to live with us for all those years, um, we had plenty of time to sit in my mom's
0: basement and just woodshed. Oh, man. A funk record from André Simone. Uh, my appetite is particularly whetted. Uh, Erica Badu was in town last night, so I got to see her. So I, I got funk on the mind. If you get the chance to catch her, the band is sounding so good. It was it was such a treat. So I'm definitely in the mood for some funky music from André Simone. So. Well, I, I can't wait to get it to you. All right. Thank you, André. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Thank you, too. Thank you for having me. All right.